Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Managing Editor of Fightful.com and FightfulMMA.com. This show brought to you by FightfulSelect.com. It is our premium service over at Fightful. Uh, go check it out, FightfulSelect.com. We have a lot of exclusive podcasts, documents, news, uh, a lot of neat features over at FightfulSelect.com that have been added for those of you who just want more. Uh, if this is your first time checking out a Fightful post-show podcast, Sometimes I have guests, sometimes I go solo. We do have our Holy Smokes MMA podcast every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern with guests. We have World MMA-nominated Journalist of the Year, uh, Showdown Joe, that joined us as well. But uh, tonight we're talking UFC Atlantic City. You all can get more uh, news, articles, interviews, podcasts, exclusives over at FightfulMMA.com. If you all don't mind, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, let people know you're watching the Fightful MMA podcast. Kevin Lee, man, he looked really, really good tonight. A hiccup in the middle of the fight, but I don't know what more you can ask for out of a Kevin Lee. I always wondered how much stock I could put into that loss against Tony Ferguson. The man came in there with staff, still competed, still looked good, still landed a takedown. I would love to see that fight with the absence of staff because that's just, that's one they got to run back. And I've been saying for weeks that Barboza is the real litmus test in this division. If you can get past Edson Barboza, then you're going to be something in this division. Because look at the people who have. Uh, Donald Cerrone, Tony Ferguson, Habib, Kevin Lee now. You also have Michael Johnson, who somehow has always traditionally just hung in there with top 10 guys. He is an ultimate spoiler, Michael Johnson is. You also had Jamie Varner, but... I guess every dog has his day. 
that was probably the highlight of Jamie Varner's UFC career. But the way that Kevin Lee was just able to impose his will early on, uh, Lee took a pretty good body kick and a punch to the face from Barboza. And that was, that was the question for me because we, we haven't necessarily seen Lee's chin tested by somebody like Barboza. I mean, Trinaldo to a degree, but Lee's ability to just quickly double leg Edson Barboza, put him to the mat and then hit that heavy ground and pound. I mean, those elbows are just great. That's, that's primary, premium, grade A beef ground and pound right there out of Kevin Lee. Uh, Barboza is able to uh, regain guard, and that was that was good for him, but that was still a 10-8 first round. And the second round wasn't any better. At that point, you're two rounds in. You're already looking at a 2016 because Lee just dragged Barboza down and just reined it, reined it in. I mean, from every position, he was putting his weight down on Barboza's hips, really not giving Barboza any escape uh, up against the cage. Barboza couldn't hip out because uh, the cage was on one side of him. The other uh, hip had all of Lee's weight on it. It was just masterful control from Kevin Lee. Uh, Barboza shooting for a takedown was almost his way of tapping out without actually tapping out. And you think at that point, Edson Barboza shooting for a takedown, this is over. Ah. Not so much. Edson Barboza hits that beautiful spinning wheel kick, and Kevin Lee is dancing, Bambi style. Rolled his ankle even. Like it was the fact that that Kevin Lee didn't go down from that is something amazing. I'll never forget when Edson Barboza cracked Terry Adam with that kick at 142. Uh, I think six years ago now. I remember every day for the next three months in the gym, I, w- I was working on that kick and trying to perfect that kick. It was, it was a game changer. You didn't see a lot of that kick, the spinning wheel kick. And there was another kick on this show, that spinning wheel kick. Uh, we, we saw it with Anderson Silva's front kick. We've seen it with John Jones's oblique kick. Once those are introduced into the, the lexicon of mainstream MMA, you start to see everybody, I don't want to say everybody else, you start to see it adopted a whole lot more than it was previously. And it's Barboza's signature, and it, it almost... It's almost a finisher now, although it didn't finish off Kevin Lee. This was just really, really good. Lee was able to get a takedown, but he lost that round because of that. Lee very much needed to push forward and get a takedown and not do the thing where he stood in front of <laughs> Edson Barboza. But he Lee was willing to slug it out. I don't know if Lee's willingness to slug it out was worrisome or admirable. Because, I mean, there were there were a lot of times there I saw those exchanges, and I'm like, that can't be good for Lee. But Lee didn't abandon his technique. He, he kept it. He looked good when he was in these exchanges with Edson Barboza. And Barboza did too. Barboza was welcoming it. He said, you know, if, you, if you're willing to do this, I'll, I'll do it too. And Lee had to wear a head kick, I think, in the fourth round, but then scored a big double leg takedown, and we got more. And more fifth round, Barboza still throwing heat. Lee's not afraid. I, I don't just didn't know if that was a good or a bad thing. And then the doctor stops the fight after a big cut from Edson Barboza or a big cut on Edson Barboza. There, <laughs> the funniest thing was uh, somebody after I said it was an outstanding performance, somebody had the balls to tweet me, and well, dude almost lost. I'm like, okay, he finished the fight in one round and he had three other 10 eights. Get out of here. Lee looked awesome. You get 25 minutes or 22 minutes at that point, uh, you're going to run into some trouble with 
with a uh, with an Edson Barboza. That's just what's gonna happen. You're gonna experience that. You're gonna eat a spinning wheel kick or two. Uh, Lee was lucky he didn't eat more leg kicks, although in those later rounds when he was willing to stand with Edson Barboza, you did see Edson start to go to that and uh, kind of motivated Lee to go back to his takedown game, as, as it probably should have. After the fight, Lee called out Habib Nurmagomedov, but there's a lot of stuff, man. There's a lot of stuff there for Habib Nurmagomedov, and, and we're going to talk more about Kevin Lee throughout this fight. Um, there are a world of options for a Habib Nurmagomedov. Ideally, the fight that you want, Conor McGregor. That's that's the one. That's the big superstar fight. And MMA is in a down period right now. Believe me, guys. I see the web traffic, TV viewership, pay per view numbers. It's it's not hot right now. UFC needs Habib Nurmagomedov against Tony or against Conor McGregor. Tony Ferguson's out for probably the rest of the year. He had knee surgery, so he ain't there. Eddie Alvarez is not getting that shot, despite the fact that he's ranked number three. It's going to be Poirier or Lee if it's not if it's not Conor McGregor. And I wonder if Lee would get it just because he had a title shot so recently. I also wonder if they'd want to give it to Poirier after those poor numbers from, from the uh, show last week in Glendale. Also, you could run back Poirier versus Eddie Alvarez, and you know that Kevin Lee has already had that experience of headlining a UFC pay-per-view. Kevin Lee is a much better talker than Habib or not? Well, maybe better than Habib. Habib is a good talker in his own right. He's a special talker. He's able to, uh, you know, he's got the number one bullshit deal. That was that was pretty funny. But Kevin Lee is a little more outgoing than a than Dustin Poirier, and I thought this fight was going to be a really telling fight for Kevin Lee because he had trouble making weight ahead of the the Tony Ferguson fight. He had a staph infection. Then he lost the fight. Then his coach, Robert Follis, passed away. That's not good. He missed weight this week. He's got to get his weight under control. Otherwise, we'll be looking at the world's greatest 157, 158-pound fight in uh, Habib versus Edson Barboza. So, I mean, that's, that is uh, just an outstanding set of circumstances for the UFC lightweight division because uh, that's just that's a good problem to have. Too many followers uh, or too many, too many potential opponents for a Habib Nurmagomedov rather than, than not enough because, I mean, there are several divisions where like light heavyweight – Heavyweight, even you kind of got to put that super fight together uh, between Miocic and Cormier because there there aren't enough challengers for for those titles. So I do like that that it's still fruitful, even though that Conor McGregor has been out for a year and a half. So we'll talk more about Kevin Lee throughout this show. As far as Edson Barboza, Edson Barboza doesn't really lose a whole lot out of this. He lost to Habib. He lost to Kevin Lee back to back. His first back to back losses ever, but. He's still the guy that's beaten Dariush and Melendez and Anthony Pettis and Paul Felder and Bobby Green and Evan Dunham and all these guys who have done well in that division. So he's going to keep his, he's going to retain his spot in the division as the gatekeeper. However, he's probably not going to be at number five. If I were them, I'm doing Barboza and Gaethje. If you have five fights left for Justin Gaethje. 
one of those fights needs to be Edson Barboza. Just a battle of them kicking each other in the leg. I want to see the Edson Barboza, like the good thigh kick against the Justin Gaethje low calf kick. That The low calf kick is another one that's kind of just revolutionized MMA. Just, man, that that's one I want to see. And Kevin Lee, it's either going to be Habib Nurmagomedov or probably, well, if Connor gets the fight, with Habib, if if that may, if that happens, then it'll be Barboza and Poirier. If Poirier gets the fight with Habib, then it'll be uh, Kevin Lee and Eddie Alvarez. I don't know if I threw Barboza's name in there, but that was a mistake. Hot dog, good fight. Better than the Edgar Swanson fight. I don't know why we had to see this again. I know why. It's because Costa and Uriah Hall got pulled. But both men fainted trying to time the other early, figure out patterns, rhythms, and footwork. Edgar clips Swanson, and it looks like it's looks like he's cooking, and then he goes for a takedown, and it doesn't work. Yeehaw. I hate that, man. I hate that. And, and I'll go. I'll circle back to that towards the end of this. A lot of hitting air here, evenly matched early on. Edgar sets up a punch with that knee tap. There aren't a lot of guys in the UFC or MMA in general who have the speed to pull that off, that fake knee tap into the right straight, and – send them back in up against the cage, and then that sets up a whole other uh, series of options because you know when you do that, they're going to circle out uh, opposite the direction of the knee tap because they're it's, it's a psychological thing. So Frankie Edgar goes in. He goes at Swanson's right knee with the knee tap, fakes it, but touches it, cracks Swanson in the face with a right hand. That backs Swanson up against the cage. Now, this opens up just a, a whole series of options for, for Frankie Edgar because you know that Swanson isn't going to circle to his right. He just had his knee tapped and doesn't want to get taken down. Uh, but he might, sir, he probably is going to circle to his left. That opens up another strike. Or he can stay there up against the cage. You can kind of push in for that takedown. That is a very, very great tactic on the, on the, on uh, Edgar. Edgar's part because, man, there's just not a lot of guys that can pull that off. Edgar, uh, his leg kicks were paying off during this fight. Swanson couldn't seem to fire off because he he, he thought he was going to eat one of those uh, early and often. And Edgar was able to mix in punches, footworks, leg kicks, but couldn't make the takedowns happen. For some reason, Swanson's corner after the, the second round told him he's winning the fight and outlanding Edgar. That is a flat-out lie. A flat-out lie. Edgar gets baited into a war briefly in the third. Both guys land solid shots, but, man, Edgar looks scary when he stands in in the pocket and trades. That's not his game. He's not going to do that very often. But he still looks really, really scary when he does it. You're like, oh, man. So that's what he's capable of. It's the same with, like, Holly Holm or Leota Machida. When they get in there and they slug it out, that's when they're at their most dangerous, in my estimation, more so than... The hop-in, hop-out game. Edgar's won three of four since his last UFC title shot. Swanson's loss puts him at four and two in his last six, including two losses in a row. Edgar's never fought Holloway, man. So if Holloway defeats uh, Ortega in July, they they officially announced that tonight. They could go there. They could go there. But yeah, a lot for Edgar to overcome. I believe his grandfather... Passed away this week, so a lot of respect to him for fighting. 
Justin Willis over Chase Sherman. This was a wing and swing war, plain and simple. Sherman got dropped, and I thought he was out, dead. Somehow he survived and cracked Willis himself. Uh, this continues through round two. I love the way that Sherman, when he's back up against the cage, he has that height advantage and the reach advantage. So he'll post off of Willis's face and throw elbows. So that was that that said a lot to me. That was like he wasn't willing to just abandon that despite the fact that he was down. That it was a good tactic to use when you've got that type of reach, that type of, of length on you. And I mean Justin Willis. I don't know. I have to look at Justin. I think, well, Justin Willis is 6'3". So Chase Sherman must be huge. Chase Sherman's got to be, it says 6'4". There ain't no way Justin Willis is 6'3 and Chase Sherman's 6'4". I'm sorry. Something's wrong there. (laughs) Justin Willis picks up the win. Number eight, David Branch knocks out. Number 12, Tiago Santos. Santos stalked Branch and got caught with a sick overhand right, and he was out. That was a thing of beauty from Branch. Great head movement, the duck under, the overhand. Just baited Santos when Santos was stalking him. Uh, this is Branch's first KO in seven fights. He's now 2-1 in the UFC, won 12 of 13. He was a double champion in the World Series of Fighting, guys. So, you know, this is a far cry from the guy who got slammed to death by Gerald Harris. His only losses are to Luke Rockhold, Gerald Harris, Rumble Johnson, and Russell Paul Harris. And I'm talking like good Russell Paul Harris. Uh, he was confirmed to not be hilarious because when he got the opportunity to call somebody out, he called out his boxing coach. Okay. You could argue that this is the biggest fight or biggest win of Branch's career. It depends on how much weight you put in the World Series of Fighting because he had some good wins in World Series of Fighting. Uh, Paulo Filo, Jesse Taylor, Yushin Okami, Vinny Magalayas, and then he beat Christoph Jotko at 211. But still, you could say that this is Probably his biggest win. A UFC top 15 opponent and, and knocked him out at that. Uh, this could, You could also say this was Tiago Santos's best streak of his career. He had another uh, pretty good streak there for a while. But if nothing else, he's putting on exciting fights. Aljamain Sterling defeated Brett Johns. Number eight, Aljamain Sterling. Number 14, Brett Johns. We had interviewed Brett Johns before this, by the way. As well as Chase Sherman. Just wanted to throw that out there. FightfulMMA.com. Brett Johns holds on to the head of Sterling as it goes to the ground. That allowed Sterling to get in that underhook and turn the tide. Sterling's defense on the feet is definitely not optimal, especially when he moves backwards. But he really put it together in in this fight. I said that this was a fight where Aljamain Sterling, you know, I don't know if he noticed it, but I did, but... It was a little bit like him looking in the mirror at a younger guy. He's going to be 29 this year. When Aljamain Sterling came into the UFC, he was, gosh, I want to say a 24-year-old prospect and was 8-0, and then he got to all the way up to fighting Brian Caraway after he beat John Eduardo. And here, here was Aljamain Sterling, 12-0, undefeated, had all this hype behind him. I think he... I think he'd gotten a new car. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Contract then, or maybe maybe it was after the caraway fight he did. Can't remember, but had a lot of hype about him. And um, it's just Brett Johns was was in that role, and Aljamain Sterling was Brett Johns as Brian Caraway in that. He kind of derailed the hype train. However, that's got to be good for for Aljamain Sterling because this is really the age where the bantamweights hit their stride and hit their hit their prime. So he was he was able to uh put together some body kicks that affected Johns. Uh Johns landed a nice flying knee, but Sterling dragged Johns into a war, then took him down. The takedown at the end of round three from Sterling was really great. He grabbed the waist lock and then followed Johns's momentum and then just kind of jumped with it. That was real cool. Love that. Uh but this is the best, maybe the best performance I've seen out of Aljamain Sterling at least in a long, long time uh, since maybe one of his first UFC fights, but definitely the best in well over two years. So he's back on the horse. He's won three of his last four, including Johns and Hennon Burrell. You could argue the fight with Caraway was a draw, though. Dan Hooker defeated Jim Miller. Man, Hooker looked huge next to Jim Miller. Yes, guys, World Series of Fighting renamed Pro Fight Professional Fighters League. We have the, the new rules and format over in Fightful.com. Go search keyword PFL. I thought that Miller countered Hooker effectively early on. When Miller caught that kick, I thought the takedown attempt was over when he got to the cage because Miller went from one side of the cage to the other with that takedown attempt but still landed it. However, Hooker made his way back up and caught Miller with a sick knee right down the middle that dropped Miller dead. Miller ate another punch, and you know Copeland couldn't be there in time. That was that was a sick thing. I don't think that Hooker really needed to follow up with that, but eh, it was it was really quick. And the referee Gary Copeland, I don't know that he could have gotten there any quicker. That's four and old, four losses in a row for Jim Miller, and Miller is now tied for the UFC record with twenty nine UFC fights. Uh, I'd like. I don't want to see that anymore at the very least. If you want to keep him in that, that veteran circuit, you know, like the Joe Lozans and the Diego Sanchez's and, you know, all those guys that do the carousel fighting one another, by all means, let the man keep doing it. If you want to throw him on fight pass or the, the prelims, but it's not having him against any youngsters for a while. Hooker's third win in a row in a cool moment. Paul Felder is in the cage 
And Dan Hooker calls out Paul Felder while Felder interviews him. It's a really, really cool moment. Ryan LaFlair defeated Alex Garcia. What do you want me to say? This wasn't great. LaFlair found success with body kicks and had the kind of control I don't like to see rewarded too much. Flair has now won three of four, seven and two in the UFC with no finishes and no bonuses. Garcia now five and two has alternated wins and losses. Tony Martin picked up a win. Interview with him over at FightfulMMA.com. Let's talk about this Ricky Simone and Mirab Davashvili fight. This fight ruled. Mirab hit that uh, Cosito Gari, I think it's called. It was it was the same throw that Ronda Rousey hit on Raw on Sonya Deville. Honestly, uh, Ricky Simone looked really underwhelming. Had his hands down, got cracked. Uh, Dvalishvili had a pace that Simone just couldn't keep up. There was this beautiful sequence of rolls, scrambles, sit-outs, and counters out of a waist lock of uh, Dvalishvili. I think I want to say the second second round, and um, I mean I'm I really like Dvalishvili. I thought that he probably should have won the fight against Signs. He had 11 takedowns in that fight and somehow still lost it. Oh, man. Uh, and, yeah, we will talk about this on the Tuesday Holy Smokes MMA podcast. Joe, I was trying to explain it to him. And this finish was just unbelievable. Simone rolls into a guillotine uh, after a takedown attempt from Davishvili. Big John McCarthy hypothesizes that Davishvili knocked himself out and that should have been the end of the fight. But it wasn't. The fight continued. Simone rolled into the guillotine. Paul Felder screaming, he's out, he's out. He wasn't out, at least as far as I could tell. But his arms were out here doing this. He starts bicycling his legs. I don't know why he did it. I have his post-fight quote. He didn't mention anything about it. He makes it to the end of the round. The final horn sounds. It's over. They stop the fight at no point. If you look at Dvavishvili's body, did he stop moving? People are going to say he's out. He never stopped moving, whether it be his legs, his arms, anything. He was never out, out. He might have been close. He might have been glazed over. He never stopped moving. Look at his legs. He never stopped moving. After this, the fight is stopped retroactively. It's given a TKO stoppage. What? The fight was over. The final horn sounded. I can't pretend that I understand this. I don't. That fight should have went to the judges' scorecards. You can't do this. This wasn't like Jim Joyce and Armando Galarraga in the in the Tigers game years ago where he cost homeboy a perfect game. There's no real evidence to show that Dvavishvili was out. C. Phoenix says probably trying to keep the blood oxygen circulating. That's what I'm speculating too. You're going to see some guys trying for that. Uh, the, I would expect that Dvavishvili is going to appeal that. He didn't seem like he cared that much, but when he doesn't get that extra, that double money, mm, 
it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for him. Simone went in this fight as nineteen. He was nineteen and one between pro and amateur. Had deadline shows. Been on Dana White's contender series. I thought he got outclassed by Mirab Dvavishvili here. Dvavishvili should be two and zero in the UFC. This is the second fight he's had taken from him from judges or a uh, commission. Then we look at the scorecards. And Judge Eric Colon had give that fight to Ricky Simone. What fight was he watching? I can't imagine a world where Ricky Simone won that fight in either capacity. He has to appeal this to Dvavishvili does. Now, I get it. Uh, you could argue that what Dvavishvili was doing was just on pure instinct and you know, you, you've seen it from Holly Holm, where she goes out and she starts punching and stuff. It's muscle memory. It's reaction. I, I could I could totally buy that, that maybe Dvavishvili was out and, and that was it. However, there in some case, one or the other, there is complete, just inept, ripe in either the commission or the ref. It's one or the other. Either the ref didn't recognize that this guy was out or they let this go to the final horn. Then they said that he was out. I'm not buying it. You need more people. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Somebody messed up. Whether it's the ref, whether it's the commissioner. I know one judge messed up because there ain't no way Ricky Simone won on scorecards. Hope they don't cut Mirab Devrishvili. Uh, he is 0-2 in the UFC, and he should be 2-0 right now. CR Bahadur Zada defeated Chagas. I was surprised that Bahadur Zada was an underdog here. Uh, he has kind of coasted on talent for years in that beautiful one-two combo he has. He had some nice ground and pound, but Chagas is able to scramble and take CR's back. Uh, Chagas had his, had his chin straight up far too much for my liking. Uh, but then, out of nowhere, Bahadur crushes Chagas with this teat to the liver. It's not one we see a lot, and it's not one we see finish a lot. Now, this, I, I mentioned earlier about how Barbosa's spinning wheel kick, uh, Gaethje's low calf kick, uh, John Jones's oblique kick, the Anderson Silva front kick, those are all things that we've seen work really, really effectively and almost in fights or do in fights, and then they just get adopted. And a lot of people take them in. It's like super kicks in pro wrestling. They work for one guy. Everybody starts to use them. See, it does work. It does happen in legit sports. That teat to the liver. Ooh. Ooh. Get the hose. Get the hose. That was a work of art. And it might have, been, might have been, I don't want to say an accidental art. He threw the kick. It landed. Guy went down. I hate the. I hate when anybody says, it was a lucky punch. You throw your hand at somebody's face, you connect. It's not lucky. I don't care if you're looking at your toes while it happens. I remember a lot of people said that about uh, Anderson, or not Anderson Silva, about uh, Andre Arlovsky and Fedor. He threw his fist at a man's jaw. It connected. He went unconscious. It's not lucky. <laughs> it's the way it is. So um, this teep to the liver, I'm thinking that we're going to see more of it. 
Don't be surprised if you see two more finishes this year with a teep to the liver. I love the liver kick. I hey, Colby Covington's the only guy that was smart enough to use it as a pro wrestling finish too. He used like a, a, a switch kick to the liver when he was in Impact. We call that the old pants shitter in the gym. You throw a good one of those and know somebody's in there for the first time. They might shit their pants. <laughs> good win for C.R. Bahadur Really good win for Corey Anderson. Number 10, Corey Anderson over number 11, Patrick Cummins. Cummins striking is abysmal. I'll never forget the first time. Like... When uh, whoever it was that pulled out of the Cormier fight and Cummins had to replace him, I was like, gosh, got to find some tape on Cummins. And there was a bit out there, even though he only had a few fights. And you find his debut and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. This guy totally out of shape, crack Cummins. And you're like, oh, that's what's going to happen. And it's gotten a little bit better. It's gotten to the point to where uh, when... Cummins gets hit, he gets on his he turns into Disney on ice, but he lasts the three rounds. I had this as a 30-25, though. Uh Anderson just didn't have it in him to finish Cummins, which are it's something I mentioned in the preview show. Cummins scrambled really well after the first takedown. Anderson's able to mix it up well with kicks and uh punches, takedowns, head movement. This is a really complete fight for Anderson, and especially a really complete round one. Round two is more of the same, including a spot where Anderson rode Cummins like a cowboy, uh, laid a 12 takedowns, most ever in a UFC light heavyweight fight. Anderson just dominated the body lock in what had to be a humbling situation for Cummins being the type of wrestler he is. Anderson's 28, ends a two-fight losing streak. Cummins at 37, ends a two-fight winning streak. This was real good out of Patrick, or uh, out of Corey Anderson. Stone Osborne says, if James Vick had a couch like SRS, I could take him seriously. I can't confirm that I am not a real agent and there is no job. So, this show I thought delivered. There were there were some fights that I, I wasn't too hot on. Uh, I didn't like uh, LaFlair Garcia. What else was there? Ed, Edgar and Swanson wasn't too hot. But otherwise, I think UFC is just... They're rocking it lately, you guys. I thought this show was good. Poirier versus Gaethje was good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back. I, I'm thinking I enjoyed UFC 223 quite a bit. Verdum versus Volkov was a lot of fun. Uh, Cyborg versus Kunitskaya. Liked it. Just a lot of good fights lately. A lot of good stuff. Of course, we've got a bunch of coverage over at FightfulMMA.com. If you all want to preview a Fightful Select, I posted this week's Fightful Weekender absolutely free. A big thanks to my Fightful Select subscribers. I polled them on on our discussion board. I was like, hey, guys, do you all mind if I do this from time to time? I post a free show to kind of show everybody else what they're missing, maybe entice them to subscribe. Unanimous yes. So you're not dealing with greedy subscribers. And we've got dark match commentary over there. We've got uh, extended stupid news segments. We have the Return of Members Only podcast. I have Q&A shows, retro shows, just a lot of good stuff. Justin H. said, the Cyborg fight was a disgrace. I can say it was good, Sean. I said the card was good. A lot of good fights. A lot of good fights. Uh, 
And uh, I don't when when is the next UFC card? Because it's it's gonna be there's a bit of a break, I believe. Nunez versus Pennington. That's May twelfth. But there are some Bellator shows coming up. Let's let's run. Let's talk through them a little bit. Since since we're here, while we're here, yeah, I got the Impact Wrestling uh, Redemption post show on Sunday night. Doing a simulcast with WrestleView.com. We do have the greatest Royal Rumble post show on Friday. But April 28th, so next weekend, it is uh, Frank Mir versus Fedor Emelianenko. And then you have Emmanuel Sanchez on the show. You have Neiman Gracie. Uh, underrated fight here. Rafael Lovato Jr. against John Salter. John Salter's got to be near a title fight. Dylan Dennis is on the show. So it's it's an interesting card, and it's going to be for free on Paramount. So by all means, watch it. You get the Triple G fight on May 6th. I'm really excited about the Ryzen fight, Horiguchi and McCall. Showdown Joe will be calling that that fight, by the way. So that that's a couple of fights that I'm rather excited for. But no UFC until May 12th. We have Amanda Nunes against Raquel Pennington, Women's Bantamweight Championship. Jacare Souza, Kelvin Gastelum. Mackenzie Dern against Amanda, Bobby, Joe Cooper. Uh, we have an interview with Cooper up on the site or up on our YouTube at the very least. John Lineker, Brian Kelleher, that is going to be a good fight. Vitor versus Machida. And then on the prelims, you have Alexi Olenek against Junior Albini. I would have rather have seen that fight on the main card than Dern and Cooper. Uh, prelims on FX. Don't know what's going on in May on Fox Sports 1, but whatever. And then you have like Talis Leites, Warley Alves, uh, some, some interesting fighters. Just good, good stuff. Carl Roberson's on on that show. He is a finisher, my man. Finisher. Guys, I want to thank you all so much. We're back on Tuesday for the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. But uh, if, if you're just checking us out, give us a shot over at FightfulMMA.com. We have a ton of exclusives over there. I really enjoy talking to you guys. I do like 30 podcasts a month at this point. And I'd rather be here than anywhere else, my friends. Thank you all so much. Until next time, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, visit Fightful.com. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us at Fightful Online. We are out. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.